Vintage Basketball fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some good old-fashioned college hoops. And what a Saturday we had, a variety of items to cover. Baylor at Kansas, looked like they were going to win a natty in the first half, only for Kansas to come right back and put it to them. I think they, like, it was like a plus 29 or some shit like that in the second half. So that was a big, big comeback there. Um, Oklahoma forced Texas into overtime. Didn't quite get the job done, though. Kansas State held off Iowa State. Kentucky, now I think they beat Tennessee twice this year, if I remember correctly, but they got a nice win. Variety of just quality games. Even that St. Mary's BYU game was was pretty competitive. Um, But overall, yeah, we're going to talk about Saturday and then, of course, Preview the week that is upon us. Tonight, Kansas uh, at TCU Tuesday. We were just talking about it, and we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks on the show. Tuesdays have just been popping off. I think two Tuesdays ago we had those four ranked versus ranked. I mean, Baylor at K-State, Tennessee at A&M, Marquette at Creighton, um, Iowa State at Texas. It's crazy. And next Saturday – We'll definitely preview and predict the whole week and the weekend because we got some big games as we kind of cruise through where the conference standings are, um, the league races and whatnot, and, and, you know, the meaningful, who's got the toughest schedule, what are the meaningful games this week as far as the uh, standings race and all that. So we're going to get to it in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open download the show directly there you can if you want to though um but you can find it in a variety of places the college ball show under the rope dope radio podcast on apple podcast amazon music google podcast iheart radio player fm tune in spricker stitcher and a whole host of other places while you're at it why don't you head on over to the grueling truth.com and sports news 24 and one more thing if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Stream the best entertainment and sports starting uh, with 75 live channels for a limited time only. Save $120 over the first year when you get any package and buy the Direct TV streaming device. No annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus learn about how to get premier channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up today. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay. So let's go ahead and bring in Marshall into the fold. Um, man, we had a damn another, you know, we did the show on Thursday. Um, and so we're not going to preview, you know, any, or, or not preview, but well, we're definitely not going to preview next week because that'd be silly, but um, we're not going to talk too much about what happened last week, obviously, but we had a nice little Saturday, and, and I just think, you know, Baylor was up like 13 at half. Things were just going good, and that second half surge by the Rock Chalk Jayhawk, uh, you know, protected that home court against a top-10 team, that record that, uh, you know, self has going on for a long time now. He's, I think he's faced three Three teams in the top ten at home or something like that this year. It's crazy. Great game, though. Tale of two halves. Yeah, I think Baylor's really just kind of been finding their groove. 
I think at the start of this year, um, they were kind of the team that no one was really talking about from the Big 12. And up until the second half of that KU game, they'd kind of been the hottest team in their conference, uh, arguably. And, yeah, KU, they're not maybe quite the strongest team they've ever had of years of late, but they've had a lot of, like, gritty come-from-behind wins. So this is, like we were saying before the show, there's not quite that, like, lottery. Kansas always seems to have, like, that mid, like, guard slash forward that's going to be a lottery pick. I don't think they have that quite this year. But they have Wilson, who's a good big, and uh, I know they got that Grady Dick, who's a freshman, and that kid's kind of learned how to play, and he's a decent three-point shooter. And they're just a good team. Like, you keep thinking, like, okay, they got those five losses, four in conference. Like, you know, they're not quite that strong. But then it's like, well, they're still got a five rank next to them. So, and shit, Texas, I've kind of been making fun of them all year just because I don't think their offense is the most beautiful thing to watch. But, again, you look at them. 21 and 6, 10 and 4, they they uh, were able to push away their pesky football rivals and won a game 85-83. Uh, but hell, I mean, right there, Chris, Texas 6th, KU was 5th Saturday, Baylor was ninth. You have three teams with inside the top 10. And this far into the year, it, it's you almost just literally never see that because it, it almost is statistically impossible to have three teams – in your top 10 year conferences because they got to beat each other and they right, have, yeah, true. but I think that really does go to show how strong their conference is because despite the losses, pretty much everyone is defending their home turf. Okay. If this is a gang fight, everyone's undefeated at home. And, um, and the, all, all, all their losses are against teams who have a ranking next to them. So it's hard to really punch a team. And hell, even on Saturday, K state beat Iowa state. Like, you know, K-State had been in kind of a funk lately. and Mm -hmm. But Noel and Johnson, who are their go-to studs, had a really solid second half because Iowa State was up eight on them. So there's two examples of Iowa State and Baylor both up decent leads at home, or excuse me, on the road, but nothing inconsiderable. And KU had a huge second half in K-State down the road in Manhattan or up the road. I'm not sure about my Kansas geography because I don't care about that state. But (laughs) – um. They were, they, K-State won the second half 38 to 24 against Iowa State. Again, both of those teams throughout the year have been inside the top 10 or right around it. So yeah, so the fact that you got five teams who are all within the top 20, damn, that, and we're, we're a week away from being a March. So man, it, it's been a fun conference. Um, I know that some teams will kind of take their foot off the pedal because I think they all know they're in. And, you know, sometimes teams get tired. You never know how the matchups work out. And maybe the Big 12 title isn't everything for conference play. But that will be a very, very fun conference tournament, Chris, because you're going to have probably at least seven ranked teams in that conference tournament. And that could be, you know, maybe impact some seedings or teams trying to maybe move from a a two to three or a four to five or whatever the hell, you know. But Big 12 is going to be a lot of fun just because it's been strong all year. And it hasn't really faded at all. No, it really hasn't. And speaking of Kansas, Kansas City is not in Kansas. Okay, everybody, just just try to get, just try to wrap your head around. That's it, the okay? Missouri side, Amen. That's, exactly. I mean, I don't know about that Amen part, but I I, I, I hear you. No, but <laughs> if you look at that, it's a three twenty six left in that Baylor Kansas. You know, we know how hard it is at Kansas. Eight for eleven compared to one for eleven. Uh, from three 
And this was 326 left, 40 to 23. They were just, I mean, playing great defense and then also doing their thing. They outscored Kansas 20 to 11 in the last eight minutes of the half. But then, you know, I'm watching this game and I, and I take a screenshot. It's at, so it's, you know, they're down by 13 at half, Kansas is. And at the 1428 mark, it's 50 to uh, 49. They overtake the lead. When you look at it overall in the first half, like I said, one of 11, even with three minutes late, they didn't even take a shot after that from three, but they were 10 of 27 from the field uh, as well, or just overall. At 10 of 16, uh, they, they had this run of like seven straight field goals, three of five from three. I mean, before you know it, you look up and you're like, what the hell just happened? It was like, a, I think, 27 and nine uh, outscoring Baylor. Uh, until, you know, they, they, Baylor did kind of minorly make a little bit of run, but overall outscored them by 29 in the second half, man. That was, that was crazy. Bama just, you know, had a destruction, um, over Georgia at 108 to 59. I think it was Georgia's largest loss since 1959. Like you mentioned, uh, Oklahoma, uh, you know, I think it was the sooner, uh, Sherfield hit a three, um, to force overtime, but Texas did get over that. Tennessee loses to Kentucky. Like I said, I think they're two and zero now. But if it's a so as a top ten Tennessee ranked team, right? When they've been top ten, they have five losses versus unranked teams this year. It's kind of crazy, man. You mentioned the K State game as well. Now Iowa State, K State was struggling. TCU had a little struggle there. Everybody's kind of had a little struggle. Even Kansas a little while back. Uh, but Iowa State now three of their last four games they've lost. They were five of twenty-seven in that uh, from three in that loss. Um, Miami is now I think fifteen and zero at home. They're looking really good. Creighton, I think uh, in the game they won, they they, they had an eleven zero run to close out the game the last five minutes. And before I, before March Madness starts, I will have a bet on Creighton to make the Final Four. Get All that, right. That I I always love to give out. The, and normally these picks nose dive and drive off a cliff. Someone go to the bank with it. But <laughs> I will. Ha, I will have. I always like to make that prediction. And we're in February, right. so as of now, I was going to say usually it's a little earlier too. You know, you're yeah. like, no, I'm getting on it now. But I got Creighton going Final Four uh, timestamp at six thirty eight two twenty uh, Monday Central Time. I got the Blue Jays in the Final Four as my first Final Four prediction of the year. <laughs> um, Indiana, I think they were down by like nine or ten points. They hit some free throws late to win their. I think, I think that they win. No, they lost and won this week. But Jackson has just been on a tear, man. He had that dude's fucking good. Yeah, he's, he has four straight twenty ten games, and in college with eight minutes less than a pro game, twenty ten games mean a little bit different in college than they do in the pros. Uh, a little bit easier, obviously, with the, the the pace of the game, for one, and the amount of shots that go up and possessions and all that, but just the, the amount of time you have as well. Um, and then St. Mary's snuck by BYU. They're 15-1 and in their last 16 games. They're going against Zaga this week. This this will be a big, big decider. I think that Zaga, has, they scored 100 points, too. They were like, Hold on, Loyola Marymount. You beat us the first time. We're not losing. It was like a hundred to like fifty something. At one point, I I paused it and was like, 
my God, I, this is just an asshole. But I think it's the seventh time they hit a hundred hundred points uh, the Sags this year. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Houston, now you know how we've been talking about on the road, on the road, on the road. Now they're not in that great. It's not a bad conference uh, for basketball, that's for sure. But it's not a great conference. Uh, but they have not. They're the only D1 team that hasn't uh, lost on the road in conference or on the like true road game. So, um, but you know, we can't get too crazy about that just based off you know what. Could they do that in even the Big Ten that's down this year? Probably not. But it just goes to show you, man, um, you know, the, the home court advantage that we've been talking about all year. Yeah, and it, if you look at any conference standings, pretty much any team that is ranked inside the top 15 or 20 will maybe have two losses max at home for conference play. A lot of them have – there's a few zeros, especially if you're talking about Ed Cooley and the Providence boys, who I always love to bet because they're dangerous at home. Uh, yeah, it's just a regular theme. Now, that's not a crazy thing because that is kind of a regular theme. Every year of college basketball, teams on the road at home tend to play better. But I think that's kind of a good indication, Chris, uh, for teams who you're looking to kind of make for your March Madness picks as we get closer to that. Did they win conference games on the road? And was it versus a good team or versus a shit team? I mean, if you're the top team in your conference, you probably should beat the lower tier teams. But for those teams who in college basketball have wins on the road against ranked opponents in conference, those are hard to come by. And that kind of really does show the DNA of a team. Hell, uh, I know TCU had a guy down, but Baylor last week just coming to mind, like they were down 12 points in the second half to TCU. And that flogger guard for Baylor went on like a 15 to two run himself. So you'll see occasionally where a team will win a game on the road. Uh, against a ranked opponent, and that that the, those are few and hard to come by. So, um, yeah, that we we've definitely hit a lot of the Big Twelve this, this show so far. Um, but uh, the Big East again, they kind of had a week, Chris, again where teams kind of took turns. I did think that uh, Creighton had a nice win. I mean, they were supposed to beat St. John's, but they did. And um, Providence beat Xavier, or Providence beat Villanova. They're supposed to, but the Big Twelve is obviously the strongest. But the teams who were fighting up there in the Big East, too, they didn't really have much of an off week either. So those two conferences have really, kind of since we started our podcast, have remained strong with top dogs throughout, like, this whole year so far. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now it's been kind of flip-flopping all over the place. We were talking about how Iowa State struggled a little bit. They're now 8-6 and six in conference, three games out or two games out only, which is still not that far out. But now KU in Texas still on top. One game right behind them is Baylor at nine and five. So ten and four, ten and four, nine and five. Two teams at eight and six. Two teams at seven and seven. TCU and Oklahoma State. Um, TCU does have you know a player, an important player coming back. So we'll see if that sparks them you know to close really strong. So it's I mean it, it's definitely there, you know, for the taking. I'd say Texas has the toughest schedule uh, remaining. They have to play um, at home Iowa State, at Baylor, at TCU, and then Kansas at home. That's how they so it's like, hey man, that's going to suck, but if you go three out of one of those games, you're going to win. You know, you got the conference then probably, you know what I mean? I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't go, if they went three and one and didn't win the championship, or, you know, win the conference, uh, champion or you know league championship during the week not the not or during the year not the uh you know 
the tournament. But that, I mean, shit, Kansas for like, like we were saying, like six, seven, eight games, something like that. There was just a stretch. Texas is still in the middle of their stretch. I think we talked about that two weeks ago, and I named like six or seven games they have. But, yeah, Iowa State and Kansas at home and then at Baylor at D.C. So I think it's uh, there's really no debate there as far as, you know, who's got the toughest schedule down the stretch. But like you said, Big East, Marquette still holding on. They, they took over last week. Now they're still holding on. But you have three teams. 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 12 and 4. And as we know, Marquette, the top team, has to go on the road at Creighton this week. That's going to be a fun game. Uh, I feel that that's, yeah, that's just going to be, that'll be a good one. Um, Marquette has kind of been a little bit of a, a, a sleeper team. They've had a little bit of a lighter schedule of late. I feel like uh, the, for the last few weeks, you've really seen, um, Creighton, Xavier, Providence kind of all beat up on each other. Um, Marquette's had a little bit of an easier path, both playing DePaul, Villanova, Butler, lost to UConn, playing Georgetown. They did beat Xavier, so they've been beating up on the lower-tier teams. Uh, but then they finish at Creighton, well, they luckily get DePaul again. They get at Butler and then St. John's. Actually, they kind of they kind of have a little bit of, a, of an inside track, Chris, to win in that um conference championship but yeah that'll be a fun matchup that actually occurs tomorrow as you said 730 fs1 marquette goes to creighton um i think creighton's about i saw a six point favorite which sounds about right but yeah that's gonna be a fun-ass basketball game and if somehow marquette was to win that i would think that kind of locks it up just because they're gonna be pretty strongly favored because they're kind of playing the bottom tier of the big east now with that being said the battle for second between Xavier, Providence, Creighton, good luck picking that. Uh, all three of those teams on a given night uh, can play as if they're the best in the Big East. Um, I'm sure Xavier can't wait to get Fremantle back. Creighton's probably playing the best basketball they've played all year. And Providence, some Ed Cooley boys, they're just a solid team that almost never loses at home. They probably won't make a deep, deep run this year in the tournament because they don't have any lottery picks, but that are going to be a very fundamental team that's probably going to go to the Sweet 16 again. So, yeah, that that top race, man, it's a lot of fun. And UConn and Seton Hall are kind of chilling on the bottom there, trying to maybe sneak into March Madness. I'm, they're probably in that bubbleish area. And Nova, they're, I mean, they're 13 and 14 overall in the year. I know people always love to hype them up when they're on TV, and it's been such a good program for so long. But I don't think they have enough of a resume as of right now, Chris, unless they go on some crazy run. Uh, to sneak into March, which will obviously be really weird for a Nova fan to miss the tournament. Yeah, it's very it's eerily similar to the, the North Carolina uh, Tar Heels this year. Uh, I, I don't know why it it just made it just came to mind. I'm not sure why. But uh, hey, yeah, speak, it, speaking of that, I, yeah. so I heard a rumor. Yes, well, not a rumor, but I heard it Uh-oh. truthful. Michael the reason Jordan's that, coming back, he's going to go. Oh, sorry. Uh, that would help. But the reason they have an issue is and this was uh, noticed on Instagram by my best friend. So, you know, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love were the two of their stud guards last year. Well, a girl was Uh-oh. dating. Yeah, you, yep. So I, and it's one of the uh, – I'm not sure. But one of the guards had a girlfriend. Allegedly. And, yeah, allegedly. And he, he, he had a girlfriend, he cheated on her, and then said girlfriend went to now start dating said teammate, fellow backcourt guard. So, yeah, you wonder why there's... in the family, though. I mean, that's respect, by the way. That's not respect. 
Yeah, so if you wonder why there's very little well, drama. I know is Florida was able to get over the hump they had True. going on, and they won right. another natty, okay? They, they did. I, now, they I, had a better core, obviously. But, <laughs> yeah. But still, that's so, interesting. Yeah, that, 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 that can explain why there's been a little bit of a drama, and especially, you know, uh, a week ago when that Armando Baycott said, hey, if you want to play on the team, get out of here. Like, you know, there's – yeah, so – yeah, that sounds like a hot mess, but Speaking so, of the so ACC, is life. Okay, yeah, exactly. Speaking of the ACC, Virginia, they have to, you know, it, it looks like they got to play, speaking of, at North Carolina. Never an awesome place to play because not, well, not awesome. It's awesome to watch a game there, but I'm saying, you know, it, you can, especially a desperate team, that'll be interesting. Sure. And then they also have Clemson out of their last four games. Those are their toughest games. Whereas, and they're leading right now, thirteen and three. They've been pretty strong for a while. They've been closing out the tight games like they do, kind of per usual, the last five to eight years. Um, Miami's thirteen and four. Uh, Pittsburgh twelve and four. So you got a half a game back and a game back, and they play each other to close out the season. That's the last game of the season for both. So if you do see in Miami and Pitt both have some key wins there, that you go, huh? Wow, I didn't realize that type of stuff. So, you know, Virginia has to kind of hold serve. Otherwise, there is a, you know, a team right on their heels ready to, you know, pounce. And then Purdue, now they're back up to a game-and-a-half lead when they, you know, almost had a three-game lead there for a while. 13-4, uh, and four, they, 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 come, they came to the, you know, the end of their losing streak that they had. So let's see if they can turn it around. But Northwestern. 11 and 5, a game and a half back. You have Indiana, you have a bunch of 9 and 7, 8 and 7 teams, all the way down to Michigan State, who kind of faltered back now again. Illinois is a pretty good team. Maryland, Rutgers, those are good teams. Um, I still think Purdue will, you know, get it done. But, dude, Northwestern this year, um, what is it? They haven't had, where is the damn stat? Northwestern has 11 Big Ten wins. The last time the Wildcats had 11 conference wins was 1931 um and i you know i don't i don't think a lot of these teams were even in the conference at that time <laughs> so and there's some schools in the conference at that time you're like wait they were in the big 10 they're not even barely a school anymore i don't get that you know but um but man northwestern has been a great story yeah they really have been and they actually had a, a i would say a, a nice strong win um they beat Iowa last night at home. They were only like a two or three point favorite, and they won. I think they won by twelve or thirteen. So, um, not that Iowa on the road is incredible, but that's a good win. And yeah, Indiana again, they were able to play not their prettiest game of basketball over this weekend against Illinois. He's actually been playing pretty well of late to get a win. So yeah, the, the Big Ten is you know there's a lot of teams on the bubble. Like I was surprised to see that Carolina was on the bubble because I don't they have zero quad one wins or zero and eight. And I saw Wisconsin right next to them as a last four in. So in theory, if Wisconsin's in, you got to assume that a handful of teams above them in the Big Ten are in, or at least can be considered. Uh, but obviously, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana locked in. Iowa probably should be. Um, Rutgers was in a bit of a funk until they beat Wisconsin this past week. Maryland has been kind of up and down all year, along with Michigan, Illinois. So I really have no idea what to make, Chris, of the Big Ten overall, because if the Badgers are on the bubble, 
and they're, you know, near the bottom half of the Big Ten. I, I, I guess you must be saying in some way, shape, or form that the teams above them have a good chance of making it for sure because I don't think Wisconsin had some elite uh, non-conference schedule this year. So, man, if you're a Big Ten team – Or wins. Yeah, that that uh, yeah, you're right. Wins in the uh, non-conference, you got to make that that Big Ten tournament could decide the fate of three or four of these teams uh, making it in. Again, those top three, I would say, are locked in for sure. Iowa probably is a lock. I, I'm not Joel and Artie, but I think they're probably in. And Rutgers is probably pretty close. But after that, right, you got Maryland, Michigan, Illini, Sparty, Wisconsin, like. That that's five teams who give or take a, a, a three game winning streak, three game losing streak over the next few weeks could determine their fate. Um, I don't think they're maybe quite as deep of the as the Big East or Big Twelve, but all those teams have shown this year that on a given day they they can be a good squad. So yeah, I'd be curious to see how the Big Ten plays out. Like the Big Twelve, I know we talked about them a lot, but pretty much all those teams are pretty much locked in the tournament unless yeah. one completely falls apart. The Big Ten here. You have about 10 teams or eight or nine teams vying mm-hmm. for a spot, but besides four being locked in, yeah, there should be a lot of fun. And that conference tournament can mean more to those teams than a, a regular conference to other conference tournaments would. Yeah, you, you, you could go you from a 10, say, yeah. yeah, you could go from 10 seed to a 7 seed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there'll probably be a 7 seed. I think there's going to be a lot of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12s, you know? Mm-hmm. I see from like 8 to 12, is, you're going to see a lot, a lot of Big Ten teams in that in that range. Uh, maybe even, you know, the play-in type stuff. It'll, at least one big team will have to play in, probably. Um, moving on to the SEC, Bama has been in control for the whole year. They finally slipped up, though, 13-1 now. In 12-2, Texas A&M. And we've been kind of just like, hey, don't forget about them. Let's see how they close. Well, they have a tenant they you know left on their schedule because they're only a, a game back. Otherwise, it's a big drop off. Look at Kentucky though, right there with Tennessee. They have two wins over Tennessee, like I've been saying, like the, for the fourth time or something. But all of a sudden, they're they're the third. They're third in the NCC, so they've been hanging in there. Um, but when you look at A and M, we've been talking about it. They have two home games in the last four. They have Tennessee and Alabama in the last four. So if you want to move, obviously beating Alabama would be the key there, but you probably have, well, it matters how Alabama goes, but you know, uh, you might have to win, win both those games, but obviously you'd have to beat uh, Alabama. But if you lose to Tennessee, they went out, then all of a sudden you're, you're coming up short, but A&M out of all these teams are actually the ones that uh, are making a challenge at um, Alabama. So that, that's that's pretty cool. And then Pac-12, pretty much been the same. Um, Utah, Arizona, USC, all in that 10-7, 11-5 range. Uh, we talked about Utah several times. Um, they've lost back-to-back games. Uh, Arizona, one-and-a-half game. I'm sorry, UCLA, one-and-a-half game over Arizona. And um, UCLA has to play at Utah. So Utah lost two in a row. Maybe they, they were looking ahead a little bit. Um, they got to get that dub to help them get in. But also, it could, you know, being that they're the desperate team, Utah wins that game. All of a sudden, UCLA, UCLA, has to, you know, win the last game of the year against Arizona to get the conference. So it's definitely open that way still because Arizona did beat UCLA um, at home. 
a little while back, so it keeps them lingering. Yeah, and just to kind of give bubble talk as I have today, for the Pac-12, obviously UCLA and Zona are locks. I would imagine, especially with USC having to win over UCLA, and a pretty solid conference record at 11-5, USC is a lock-in. Uh, my Sun Devils, who've won me a lot of money this year, they're on the bubble. Um, Utah is as well. And you can probably creep Oregon into that conversation. Um, I think if you were to pull 20 different people, they would probably give you 20 different answers, whatever, between who's the best team in Pac-12. Is it Arizona's running gun trying to score 90, or is it UCLA's trying to run just a, a true, like, really solid half-court offense? You know, which is better? I don't know. We'll see. But both those teams should be making deep runs in March. If you're a fan, I'm assuming you'd expect that. And as my co-host said for the SEC, uh, their bubble situation, I, I guess this one's a little interesting because not many teams have been ranked. Obviously, uh, Bama's in, A&M's in, Kentucky's in. Uh, uh, what, four weeks ago they wanted to say fire Calipari and they kicked the fan out of the stadium for saying go to Texas. Uh, they found their groove. Tennessee's for sure in, but when you get down to Vandy, Auburn, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, like I, those teams, Chris, I feel like they've kind of just been like treading water around that 500 all year. Like Arkansas, I mean, with the draft class that coming in, you probably expected a lot better. Missouri was ranked at some time this year. Florida lost their best big for the year, so you assume they're probably out of contention for finishing the year strong. Uh, Vandy has actually been playing pretty good ball of late. They're actually fifth in the Big East right now, tied with Auburn, who was ranked for the last couple weeks. They can't win on the road. So I would say out of all the conferences I've predicted today, the SEC bubble is probably right up there with the Big Ten, where you have a lot of teams who are around 500, but, but man, there's, it's like, huh, like what have they done to get recognized and put in? Because, they're not as quite of a stronger conference, I don't think, in the eyes of the committee, like the Big Ten is. So those that Vandy, Auburn, Arkansas, Mizzou group, you're going to have to finish the year really strong uh, just to maybe sneak yourself in. And as you said, props to A&M. I don't think many people predicted them to be 12-2. and two. I, I highly doubt that unless you're a diehard Aggies fan. Uh, and I guess they have better offense in the basketball court than in the football field. But – um, Maybe hey. some of those recruits that they get, you know, those high-level recruits, and they just they got a power forward, they got a couple of defensive ends that move to small forward. You know, maybe you could do like that Antonio Gates thing, or like yeah, the exactly. Peppers as a Tar Heel and put it against some of those guys. Yeah, hey, Jimbo should be open-minded for the way that offense has been the last few years. I'd be looking on the basketball court too. So nice little shot of Jimbo there. Um, but yeah, the the SEC, uh, you got. A few weeks left to prove yourself. Like I said, when we do our podcast right. next Monday, uh, we only have uh, two days left in the month. So we're, we're getting there. We are close, close, close to March. And that makes it for even uh, more fun at this time of the year for college basketball, my friend. Yeah, and it also, living up in Minnesota, March can't come quick enough, man, because it's going to, like, it snows in March on and off, you know. It'll be 60 or 70, then it'll drop, you know and snow and then melt in like three days. But yeah, I mean, this last February, man, we're going to get a little bit, we're going to have a big storm coming in and then the temperature is going to drop then it's going to pop up. So come March, man, just not just basketball, but just in general, it just, uh, it's great being a college basketball fan, but it also like 
you know, kind of signals, hey, dude, spring is around the corner in the, the heavy stuff as far as single digits or negative stuff up here in Minnesota temperature-wise is going to be gone. But you're right, though, because some, you know, quad one wins obviously will be key, but even quad one opponents, when you lose to a quad one, and when you look at SEC and you look at the Big Ten and which teams challenge themselves, win, lose, I was going to say draw, win or lose, um, it still helps you. And maybe you'll get like a, a ninth or tenth seed where you go, man, I, I don't know why. And then you look at their non-conference, you go, yeah, they have a quality win there. And then, you know, they lost these four teams in the non-conference, but they're all good-ass teams. So that plays into it as well. Uh, and that means a lot more when you challenge yourself in the non-conference and then also you're in a, a still competitive uh, conference full of quality players. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe it's top-heavy, especially in the um, – I mean, both conferences, but especially the Big Ten, obviously, with Purdue. But they're even coming back. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, you're right. Mountain West Conference, we've been eyeing this as far as the best this year, the best non-mid-major. The, you know, so And I still think it's held pretty tight. San Diego State uh, is on the road this year, uh, or this year, this week. Uh, New Mexico had a, like, three- or four-game losing streak. They did get a, a win, and now – they're 14 and 3 at home. They have San Diego State coming into town. So the speaking of the bubble, um, that would be big. But yeah, Boise State one game behind Nevada two, Utah State still hanging. Um uh two and a half games. So that that's kind of interesting and then we know that the uh you know, the West Coast Conference, it has St. Mary's and Gonzaga one game separating 13 and 1, 12 and 2 and you know St. Mary's already has a dub against Gonzaga in Saturday night. That'll be a huge, huge game in conference, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually did watch uh, Sweden of the Mountain West, as my coach just said. They had to, um, New Mexico had to get their uh, ish together, and they did. Um, they played and actually whooped up on San Jose State this past week. Um, uh, with a nice win. And for the Mountain West, again, that conference tournament's going to be more than a lot of others because the Big East, ACC, and the SEC, they kind of get those like little bit of lucky, hey, you're a, you're a top five conference. We'll give you a little bit extra of luck over here and sneak in. It would probably be really hard for the Mountain West to get four teams in, or they wouldn't have maybe as quite of an easy chance. Uh, so New Mexico, they destroyed San Jose State, but also Boise's been playing uh, great basketball of late along San Diego State and Utah. That could be a situation, Chris, where of those four to five top teams who've played all year, you're probably only going to get two in. So that conference tournament's not just for seeding purposes. That's like literally deciding who can get in the tournament. But for New Mexico, I know mean, the former uh, Gophers coach Patino's now there. They have two guards who could be NBA players. So – don't want to count them out. I know they're 500 on the record, uh, 500 conference record uh, buying San Diego State, Boise, Nevada, Utah. But that conference tournament will be enjoyable just because those teams are playing for life and death as opposed to some ones we mentioned earlier in the show who have a shoe in, but their seating could alter based on how they appear. All right, so before we, you know, preview some of these marquee matchups and predict them as well this week and on Saturday, Sunday, and whatnot, they did come out with the top 16, top four in each region brackets. 
Um, you have Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. Um, let's see. Indiana was fourth. Um, a lot of people were like, or not a lot, but I saw some people talking about Iowa State's too high at, at three. But, you know, when you look at their overall resume, it kind of snaps you back. Uh, same with people saying, well, St. Mary's beat Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga has better wins in the non-conference, too. So that's why they're a fourth seed. Um, anything stand out to you here as far as, huh, kind of scratching my head why they that high or why, say, like Marquette, who, you know, is only the fourth seed, but yet you can make an argument that the second-best conference this year on paper is the Big East, and um, they're on top of it, you know. Xavier and Marquette are fourth seed. Now, some of that may have to do with their non-conference. We are talking about quality wins and whatnot, but any any items? Tennessee is still the third seed, but they're what, fourth in their conference? That comes down to non-conference stuff, too. Yeah, that's one I was just going to say where I don't think Tennessee is, uh, as right now, a, a three seed. Um, I think this team has offensive issues, um, which shows when they lose, you know, the, the scoreboard normally reflects it. So I think that's a bit of a high ranking. And also, I don't believe that Arizona is the sixth best team in the country right now per, per this poll, just because they, they do obviously, um, they had a great, uh, not preseason before conference play, they were incredible in Maui. Um, but since the conference play has started, they've not been tested like teams have in the Big East or the Big 12 or even the Big 10. So could they be a deep team? Yes. I know I've hyped them up this year with their offense, but, uh, with the, I, I just, it's like their, their conference isn't as strong. It's not as deep. So I think that there may be a bit. Um, overseeded in my opinion, but I guess the committee's got to stick to their guns because uh, UCLA is also a two seed as well. So I, don't know, I would maybe uh, bump up like a well, hell, I mean Iowa State, Kansas State. I think they'd have just as strong of a chance of being a uh, two seed and flipping with Arizona UCLA just because they've been through tougher competition this year. I know that the resumes look good, but yeah, besides that, Chris, I'm just I'm kind of nitpicking at stuff, but I, I like the 16. I think that they got the top four right with Bama, Houston, Purdue, KU. I don't think there's any arguing that. I would just maybe move the Pac-12s and flip them with the Big 12s just because of the strength of conference play, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm just kind of doing a little bit of you know road work here. Marquette lost to Purdue, but only 75-70. to 70. They did beat Baylor. Uh, they lost to Wisconsin, and they also lost to Mississippi State. For Xavier, they lost a home game to Indiana very close and a very competitive uh, at a home game um, to Duke. And then they did lose another competitive game, 88-84, to Gonzaga. So now they beat West Virginia, you know, who's not as good, you know, as as we've seen they beat. They won at Cincinnati. So some of that plays into that's where we're kind of talking about how, you know, we got we got to remember the whole kit and caboodle. Now you could go back and say, well, they weren't playing as good at this at this time, or or this injury was out, or you could even say Baylor had a rough start and now they won nine out of ten. So, you know, it, it plays into this stuff, and a lot of this stuff makes a lot of sense. Uh, like you said, I don't I don't think they got it way off, but there there are a couple items where I go, hmm, 
I'm not sure I agree with that. Any other words before we get into this uh, this preview in the weekday matchups and also on, on the weekend as well, Kansas at TCU in, in about a little under an hour? No, but I actually like the, the fact that if you look at those top 16 teams that the committee produced, you could argue, I could say you could make your argument for about all of them to win a title this year. I was going to say, I mean, makes for, yeah. I mean, the only team I'd probably cross off just quickly would be Tennessee, just because I don't think their offense can win six games in a row. Um, but, I mean, the, okay, so in my opinion, 15 of those teams could win a title. Like, holy shit, like we're in for a really, really fun March Madness because even of those top four teams, a lot of people have been saying Alabama's the best team in the country. Well, okay, like I, I don't know if they're hands down. So yeah, that, that there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fun filling out brackets this year because it's a very open field, Chris. Yeah, and with that said, Tennessee, interesting in the non-conference, they beat uh, early on. This was, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving, right around there. They beat Kansas. They beat USC. Um, they did lose uh, a really weird one to to Colorado. Uh, they beat Maryland, good club, lost on the road 75-70 to Arizona. So, um, and then they had, who was their cross game? I forgot who their cross game was. Oh, and then they beat Texas too. So, but I, I know what you're saying about that in the row type thing. You know, that that is a little different when you got to win that many. Um, TCU, you know, going to be full strength tonight. They're a two-point favored. What do you think? You think they're going to protect home, or uh, is Kansas going to be kind of looking for a little uh, revenge? They've been oh, on a streak. Yes, they have. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with TCU. I think having that uh, Mike Miles back is huge. Um, I know they had a little bit of a rough patcher with him out, but he is their best player. And obviously, in college basketball, you always hear that stuff from the committee say, well. You can't judge team because their star player is out. And I know that does affect the win-loss column. But, yeah, TCU with Miles on the court is massively better. They did go into Lawrence and win by 23. Like, and that's yeah. something that teams literally don't do for the for as long as I've known you. We've been friends for over a decade. Like, you, there's – I bet you can count on one hand the amount of losses in the past 15 years that KU's had at home by over 20 points, if there's even five to count. Um, right. So – that game wasn't a fluke. Clearly, the way that they're was play. like dead in the middle of their three-game losing streak, too. I so, I mean, whatever style they had, obviously both teams will make adjustments, and whatnot. But TCU ain't afraid, and, and obviously home court is huge in college basketball. We've talked about that all year. Uh, so I'll take TCU to win, just because. Um, when I've watched a lot of KU games this year, they seem to have, like, one real good half and one real kind of off half. Like, they, that's been the story when, when they played a handful of games. But, again, they're they're better defensively this year than offensively, which is so weird because not that Bill Self's teams are normally, like, shit defensively, but he's always kind of been a stronger offensive team. So this is a little bit of a different type of DNA KU team. Uh, but I think for TCU also, this is kind of just that stadium's going to be packed. I probably should have planned on going to this game. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Horned Frogs. I think it'll be a close, fun game. I don't think it'll be in our 20-point beatdown. But I'll take the Horned Frogs to, to win this one. I'm, like, stuck on this one majorly, dude. Because, like, so you're going to sweep Kansas this year? But then you also look and go, well, 
Did they learn their lesson the first half? Did Baylor just play out of their mind hitting eight of 11 from three and in that first half? And then they finally just, you know, calmed down a little bit. They didn't jack a bunch of threes or nothing like that um, to get back in the game or anything like that. Like I said, I think they were three of five um, once they took a sizable lead in that second half from three. Most of it was, you know, from two, and, and I think they hit seven in a row. So, I don't know, dude. It's like part of me thinks they're going to come ready to play in the first half, obviously. It's something that they weren't really, you know, I'm not taking credit away from Baylor because they came out storm trooping, but just coming off that big, I could see a letdown too, but, man, I just, I don't know if TCU is going to sweep them. 83 to, I mean, that is a butt whoop, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, obviously I'm not too confident. I'm going to say Kansas wins this game, though. Okay. Um, at Baylor, or Baylor at Kansas State, number nine against number 14. Uh, Tennessee at A&M, big, big game. We just mentioned how A&M has Tennessee and, and Bama on the schedule. Marquette and Creighton. Um, Iowa, Texas, Iowa State, Texas. I like Texas home court. I actually like A&M uh, to protect their home court. I'm going with Baylor. On the uh, well, they're the one point favorite. Technically, I'm going to go with Baylor over uh, K State, and then man, Marquette Creighton. I've just predicted three of them. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. What do you think about these games? Because once again, dude, we have four ranked versus ranked on freaking Tuesday, man. Forget Big Monday. It's Tuesday, man. Yes, I will take. I'll take Baylor as well. Um, I do think that. K-State's been figured out a little bit. Again, this team was like 6-0 in conference or 5-1, and and now they're 8-6. and So there's not – I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're not a, a scrub team, but <clears throat> I think that their point guard uh, is – Noel is a little bit overrated. And uh, I'll take Baylor to win. I will take A&M to win uh, as well. I think Tennessee, obviously, I've ripped their offense all year. I'm not going to go pick and win on the road. Uh, I will take – man, Mark – Okay, like I'll have the Marquette game on just because again they've been they've been racking up wins playing the bottom tier of the Big East for the most part for the last few weeks. Uh, so I got to go to Creighton, who again I just picked to make the Final Four about half an hour ago. So I will take Creighton to win. I don't know if I take them to cover. Um, the Big East they when all teams play each other, you're gonna get an overtime game or like a last possession game. So I'll take Creighton to win. I would take Marquette with the five and a half, and Iowa State. Again, a very solid fundamental team, but their point guard Lipsy for the last handful of games, when the game's coming down to the stretch, he's a bit of a turnover issue, and that guy handles the ball a ton. Uh, and you're on the road, again, playing a Texas team who is pretty solid defensively. I know Iowa State did beat Texas by around uh, 9 or 10 points when they would travel to Ames, so I think Texas returns the favor. So I pretty much got all the home teams going to win besides – uh, K-State, where I think Baylor pulls off a win. And as much as I, uh, you know, like to disagree with you, I, I'm, I'm right there. I think Creighton will. Marquette, you're right. Of late, they were, besides Xavier, though, they did knock Xavier yes. off, which that moved them in the first place. But actually, I think they were in first place. It just it separated them a little bit right before it. But you're right. The other couple of games were a little different. But Creighton's just played so good. And, Home court, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I think Creighton will win. 
So UConn, we talked about them. They've been ranked for a while, but they're on the bubble. Um, well, they got Providence coming in. Maybe that'll do the trick. What do you think about that? Uh, damn. Well, hey. I'm going home, team. Yeah, I was gonna. I bet you this spread's gonna be probably two or three. And I love Providence. I love them at home, but this is not at home. This is not the Dunkin' Donuts arena. And this is a game UConn needs. Like, well, I, I mean, I think they're in, but they're they 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 need this one. Um, I will take UConn. Providence has been on a bit of a hot run lately, but I think UConn will upset. Well, not upset. I, hell, I don't know. But I'll pick UConn to win. Whatever the spread is, I'll take a UConn Husky win um, in that situation, Chris. Yeah, it just feels like it's going to, you know, go that way. And they, once again, we talk about the desperate and need game and all that stuff. It just, of course, the home court. Speaking of home court, Illinois, can they protect their home against the visiting number 21 Northwestern Wildcats. And then Ukula, could they trip up here and be looking too far down the road and lose to Utah? They've been playing good ball lately, though. I think UCLA is just such a solid, solid fundamental team. Uh, they've had I a couple of... I say it's a bunch of solid son of a bitches. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe so. I guess they're, they're some tough bastards. <laughs> um... They've had a couple of games where they're down double digits half and they come back and win. I think it it just benefits them because they still have three veteran guys from that deep tournament run they made a few years ago, and that's just a solid fundamental-ass team. Like, I don't know if those guys are lottery picks, but that's a deep veteran team, and I think they're going to be very hard to knock out. So I will take uh, I'll take them to win. And the one you mentioned right before that was uh, – Illinois it Northwestern. I'm going to pick Illinois oh. and you in, in uh, protect the uh, Illinois will protect their home court. And I'm with you on Ukula. I think they'll win on the road. And I'll take Illinois too. They've been playing good ass basketball. They, I know they had that loss um, to Indiana's past weekend, but that wasn't okay. a game they should be ashamed of. And they whooped up on Rutgers uh, the game prior mm-hmm. to that. So yeah, Illinois has been playing They're good ball. Always tough they, at home too. Yeah. They got your Dog gophers tonight. Uh, they got they got to travel to the barn, so maybe they'll maybe they, that might be a look ahead spot. So maybe your Gophers pull out a win tonight against Illinois. Just saying, you never know. That's why they play the game. That's right. Lord knows we need it. Um, just for morale, uh, you know, overall. Um, and then looking ahead, we have. Uh, I mean, Xavier could you know could. Know, be look, speaking of looking ahead, they, they can lose the Seton Hall at Seton Hall, I guess, on Friday night. But on Saturday, Texas at Baylor. I like Baylor in that one. Um, we have Kansas State at Oklahoma State. They need to protect their home court. Um, Indiana at Purdue. That's a big, big game. And then, you know, on the West Coast, two two big games down the stretch, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga uh, to win that game. And I'm picking an upset. I'm going New Mexico over San Diego State. Damn it. But I think Purdue will, will cover at Indiana, or at home at Indiana, too. Versus Indiana, I should say. But that's a good game. I mean, that, that's, that's really coming down the stretch for some of these teams, man, and how these, you know, it affects the conference standings. Yes, I like Purdue to avenge their loss to Indiana as well. Um, Carolina, if they want to make the tournament, if they were to beat Virginia, that would probably go a long way to getting them off the bubble or being the last four in. Uh, 
Also on Saturday, Arizona plays Arizona State. Uh, if Arizona State, you're on the bubble. If you could somehow win in Arizona, I don't think they have the shooting to do it, but that'd be a huge win. And also Arkansas, been on the bubble all year. You're traveling to Tuscaloosa. If you go and win in there, that would probably lock you in almost. So um, Arizona State, we did a lot of, I did a lot of bubble talk today. And, again, for Arizona State or Arkansas, you can almost punch in a ticket if you can travel on the road to beat a top-tier team. And TCU travels to Texas Tech, which has honestly been a house of horrors. Texas Tech's last three home games, they've beat teams ranked in the top 15. So uh, I know TCU's got a bit of a tricky week. they got to play KU. they got to travel to Lubbock, where it's been a house of horrors lately. So that could be a tricky one. And um, Creighton travels to Villanova, where, again, if you want to fight for that top spot rankings, you got to take care of business there. Man, we have another beautiful Saturday, Chris, just a, a great Saturday of games. And I will take hey. Baylor to win against Texas Saturday. I just think Baylor's just an overall better team. And they have the home court for that game Saturday. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, this whole year being second in the Big Ten is kind of a jinx because it's kind of like uh, – Everyone that took first and, you know, had the number one, number two. I think it was number two for a while. Whoever was two kept losing nationally. But even in the Big Ten, and I bring that up because we've been talking about Northwestern, but, you know, two road games for them, right? They got to go on Sunday. They got to go at Maryland, who's still scrappy. It's still a good club. Uh, Rutgers at Penn State, that'd be a big win for, like, a somewhat surging Penn State. A lot of it has to do with that guy that just puts up these – Gotty numbers on their team, but that's that's an interesting game too, just on the hardcore level. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, is it Pickett? I think it's Jalen Pickett is his name. But um, yeah, man, it, it is a good week, no doubt about it. Any uh, final words? Why don't you uh, get us out of here, sir? Uh, no, like I said, when we do our show next week, it's February twenty seventh. That means we are we'll be two days away from uh, March. And that means we're at the good time of the year. Again, I'll, there's a ton of bubble teams. There's not a strong number one team in the country. And the race for the bubble uh, is going to be insane. So that week before the brackets come out, where it's all the March Madness uh, conference tournaments, it's going to be a lot of fun. So on that note, um, I hope we appreciate all the love and support for the podcast. Again, it's getting to be that fun time of the year. And you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back next week. Stay safe. Stay warm. The boys are out tonight. Peace.